This episode is brought to you by Health Carousel. Health Carousel provides world-class staffing and workforce management solutions designed to improve lives and make healthcare work better. And while he's gone, I then move from having a massive heart attack to having cardiac arrest. And cardiac arrest is when you stop breathing and you become unconscious. And that happened in front of my two sons. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. And a blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Well, hello, listeners. Today we have Tanya Elrod. Uh, I'm super excited about this episode, and I'll tell you why. But first off, she's a Procter & Gamble executive, but she's also a heart attack and cardiac arrest survivor. And actually, she told me she's had five cardiac arrests. So needless to say, she is a walking miracle and is meant to be on this earth, especially to share with you her story. So welcome, Tanya. Thank you. Glad to be here. So you've shared your story a good amount of times. So I kind of want to open it up to you today on you kind of take us through it. What, what part of the story do you want to share? Well, I can start with generally from my background, I'm generally healthy. Yeah. I have low cholesterol, low blood pressure. I work out. I try to eat right. And I do have family history uh, heart history, and that was mm-hmm. enough to put me at risk. What was the family heart history? On my dad's side, he has a stint in his heart, and his brothers passed away from heart disease and his dad. Okay. So, uh, you know, so I got my heart because my dad's doctor said, hey, let's, your children should get their hearts checked. So I got my heart checked uh, four months before my heart attack. No way. And the cardiologist said, it looks great. You're great. Actually, he said, why are you here? I said, because my dad's doctor said to come. And so I got it checked out. It looked great. And on I go with my blessed life. Um, And then four months after that, I went on a Saturday morning to work out, as I always do on Saturday mornings. Great way to get out of the house, get some time away (laughs) from the kids. And... Did my workout. I came home and started not to feel well. I had uh, some nausea, my arms started hurting, sensitivity to light, but I was like, I'm tough, you know. And Hold on. Can my- I ask a couple of questions yeah. about that? Because, yeah. all right, first of all, sensitivity to light, what does that mean? What does that feel like? What it- well, I got really tired. And these are all signs that women have of heart attacks, just FYI. They're a little bit different than men. So I was just laying down and my husband turned the light on. I'm like, oh, don't turn the lights on. Turn the lights on down. Turn them back mm-hmm. off. And then the, your arm, like where did your arm hurt? Was it like a pulled muscle feel or what? Uh, just a dull pain on my, all down my entire left arm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. So, Sorry. No, that's okay. So I told my husband's like, are you okay? I'm like, oh, I'm fine. My daughter had to go to ballet. I'm like, just go ahead and take her to ballet. Take her. Well, unbeknownst to he and I, I was having a massive heart attack at that moment. But I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm tough, you know, whatever. So he leaves, takes our daughter to ballet, drops her off there. 
And while he's gone, I then move from having a massive heart attack to having cardiac arrest. And cardiac arrest is when you stop breathing and you become unconscious. And that happened in front of my two sons. Mm. It was not a... How old? Uh, they, at the time, were uh, 10 and 12. 10 and 12. It's a year and a half ago. Okay. 10 and 12. So old enough to understand what was going on, but young enough yeah. not to know what to do. And yeah, so what did they do? Uh, so thankfully, they kept saying asking me, you know, what, what do I need to do? I had not became unconscious at that moment. What do I need to do? I'm like, we need a doctor's phone number or something. And, and then right before my husband came home from dropping my daughter off, they, I said, mommy's going to pass out. And then I became unconscious. And then my, thankfully my husband came home at that moment and they said, daddy, daddy, come mommy's, mommy's not conscious. And, and so then he came to my side, realized that I was unconscious and slowly not breathing like he said my chest was breathing was moving up and down up and down and then slower and then slower and then I became unconscious my eyes rolled back in my head foam coming out of my mouth my body's jerking it was a very horrific uh scene for your two sons and your husband to watch and they called 911 and then the 911 operator coached my husband through giving me CPR for quite some time before the paramedics arrived. And then the paramedics arrived and gave me more CPR and medicine and put me on a CPR machine. It's called a Lucas machine to give me CPR, oh. uh, which is kind of a violent action. CPR in general is violent if it's done well. So even because why you like you crush like because you're breaking bones when you do that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. If that's if you're doing it right you're probably hurting the person. But, you know, I'm very grateful because cardiac arrest uh, victims who have cardiac arrest outside the hospital, only 10% survive. Oh my gosh. So I did not have a good chance of survival to start with. But thankfully, due to the 911 operator and my husband and the paramedics all doing CPR, I was able to at least make it to the hospital. But at one point in my house, when they were giving me CPR, my husband's like, hey, why are we going to the hospital? Like, it's we've been here 20 minutes. Like, let's go. And they said, well, we're not, we can't get a pulse. And so we're not sure we're going to the hospital. Um, but through lots of prayers, uh, they got a pulse and took me to the hospital on this Lucas machine. And I made it there. And thankfully, they were able to put a stint in my heart, get the blood flow going again. In that process, I had three more episodes of cardiac arrest, so a lot of CPR at the hospital. My chest is never going to be the same, Sarah. <laughs> uh, to this day, I can't breathe heavily or breathe in, you know, take a breath in without it having some pain. Really? Uh, but then after that fourth episode of cardiac arrest, I was stable enough. I was on a ventilator, so I know what that's like. Don't want to be on that again, so I'm taking all the COVID precautions. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, I made it through the night uh, on a ventilator, uh, a stint in my heart, and made it through the night. And so the next day, my husband's, the doctors tell my husband, hey, okay, you've been here overnight. You need to go home and like, just at least take a shower, get some clothes. Yeah. You're yeah. going to be in this for the long haul. I'm in the ICU at this point. I'm, I'm still unconscious. 
And so he said, okay. So he's like, all right, I'll, he went with my sister-in-law. They went to the parking garage, made it to the parking garage at the hospital. And uh, they called him on his cell phone. They said, you have to get back. We're losing her. So he runs back to the ICU and they let him in. And what he sees is like 20 people in my room. You can just imagine kind of like what you mm-hmm. see on TV and those, yeah. those um, medical shows with somebody on me, giving me CPR and all kinds of devices, et cetera. And so he just sat in there. They're like, what are you doing here? He's like, you called me. I mean, they're like, you can't be in the room. So you just sit in this chair and he sat in the chair, um, just praying. And while they're working on me and, uh, then after some time they came to him, a nurse walks over and he thought, okay, they're giving me the worst news. Right. It's coming. And the nurse kneeled on the floor. He was just sitting on a chair. She, She knelt right at his knees and looked up at him and said, we have her but it's not going to last. And so he's like, okay, what do, what, 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 okay, what, what do we need to do? Um, and they had done everything right. I mean, they had everything right. But anyway, so they said, well, we have one last, like a Hail Mary. We have a Hail Mary and it's called ECMO and it's life support. So the ventilator I was on was, is a form of life support, but it's very light. It just helps you breathe or breathes for you when you're not mm-hmm. breathing on your own. Yeah. ECMO is a much more invasive life support. There's a lot of COVID patients now that are actually on life support on ECMO and it takes the blood out of your body, reoxygenates it and puts it back in. So it does, you know, when, when for me, my heart, lung, liver, kidney, everything had failed. So when that happens, ECMO is um, a possible option. And so he's like, yes, I would like to try that. And so they said, okay, we'll, we'll give it a try. So then they put me on ECMO this machine. And that's is when I started to take a a turn for the better. Okay. Can I pause for a second? Uh, Do you, what is the, what memories do you have? What's your last memory that you have working out? No, I have no memories from that day, nor the prior week before my incident. So I think my brain had some PTSD and they said, my therapists said that's typical. Uh, of that type of traumatic incident. Okay. Okay. So I had a book club that week and at a, and we go to different uh, friends' houses for book club. I had never been to this woman's house and I went to her house, but I can't tell you where she lives. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I have no idea, but I've been there. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So you go on ECMO. This is still day one. That you're in the well, hospital, day two. Right? I made it to the next day. So ECMO happened okay. on day two. Day two. So, okay. A heart right. attack. That's right. Because you said you, they said your husband go home. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So made day two. They put me on ECMO, and uh, that's when it started to take a turn for the better. My husband said my breathing, even though I was still on a ventilator and ECMO, my breathing was better. They also froze me. So when you have brain injury, they put you on ice to help preserve your organs and your mind. My God. So that was. That is unbelievable. So Uh, how do they do that? It's like, it's a machine and they connected to the machine are just layers of, think about a blanket of ice. Yeah. Blanket of ice. So could he hold your hand? Yes. Although they had them tied down just in case I woke up. (laughs) Yeah. But they weren't, 
letting very many people see me at that moment. Okay. Okay. Just because of how unstable I was. And I was in the cardiac ICU. Right. Right. And this is at University Hospital. Yes. Okay. UCF. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm very grateful to them and the Hyde Park Fire Department in Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> and my husband and the 911 operator. And then I in was going to ask you, I wrote down, did you ever meet the 911 person? No, I have not met them. I've met my paramedics. Obviously, I was unconscious the entire time they worked on me. But at yeah. the when I at the, my year anniversary, uh, I invited them to come. I, I shared my story with everybody, and they came. So I was just you know okay. in tears and makes yeah. me cry now because oh. you know they um, you know they just work so hard. These essential workers work so hard to save people's lives. Um, and mine is one of them and they're just the nicest guys ever, you know, and I, I was a little embarrassed cause they had to cut all my clothes off. <laughs> I, right. I, yeah. When I left the hospital, you know, how they have your bag of belongings in the hospital and you yes. they give you your bag back. I mean, all I had was my wedding ring. That's the only thing they gave me. So I, I entered the hospital <laughs> with nothing and, <laughs> but they were the but, nicest guys. So if you have to and, be, uh, you know, unconscious and naked in front of, um, <laughs> These anybody, I, I would choose them in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they worked really long on you, you said. Yeah. Yeah. Like 25 minutes at the house and then, a, you know, 10, 15 minute ride to the Which hospital. is a lot of, you have to be really strong. Yes. Well, they had me on a machine. So they put me okay. on a machine that does But not it. when they first arrived. No. Did they? They did it on their own until they were able to hook me up to the machine. Okay. Yeah. All right, so you go on ECMO. Yep. Um, Day two, we're on ECMO. And um, and so, yeah, that's when, you know, thankfully I had a huge community, including Sarah Heise, you had mentioned, of people just yeah. praying for me. There's nothing they could do. I was unconscious, and they weren't sure if I was ever going to wake up. Um, they had me on all kinds of neuro machines and testing my brain to see if they could find anything. There was nothing, no indication of, of life. Um, and then we get to day three, you know, they just, it's a waiting game at this point for them. So they get to day three, this is like the, that Monday and they had friends that were coming into my ICU room just to try to talk to me. They said, the doctor said that would help. Like if we just talk and let her hear voices of people she knows and loves. And I guess I heard something because I heard my friend say, would you like to see Adam? And that's my husband. And it's like me at anybody asking me, do you want to like right now, do you want to see Adam? Sure. Of course I couldn't talk because I had a ventilator. You can't talk when you're on a ventilator. Right. So i in my head, I'm like, sure. And I just nodded my head. Sure. Sounds good to see. I mean, I had no idea what was going on and quite a long time being unconscious. And I was not on a medically induced coma. I was just unconscious. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first thing that, that, that awakens you. Right. I started to wake up then and over the course of the next week, slowly um, for a few minutes here or there, I would be conscious, maybe my eyes wouldn't be open, but I would be able to nod my head or respond maybe with my hands or my feet that I was understanding and hearing what people were saying. But then 
a few minutes of consciousness and then I go back to unconsciousness. And then every time I was con became conscious, I did not remember anything. Uh, so then they continued, they had a sign in, on my bed to say, these are the things you need to say. Tell her she's okay. Tell her the kids are okay. Tell her she's in the hospital, et cetera. Oh my God. Right. I, Cause you, oh. No, they would ask me like, do you know who's president? Um, oh, wait, I was, I was more thinking like when you would wake up, you'd be scared. Like, where am yeah, I? Was that I was. the case too? Yeah. Yes, both and. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. So how many days? Was I in the ICU? Mm -hmm. Two weeks. So two weeks in wow. the ICU and then two weeks in a rehab hospital, inpatient rehab. So I spent a month. When did they know that, that you were taking a turn for the positive? I think when I started waking up and was, was able to, as soon as I woke up, they started doing neuro assessments on what was going on in my mind and was I there? And I knew simple things like left from right uh, and who people were. Mm -hmm. And so that was enough to say, okay, as soon as her body's healthy enough, we need to get her into inpatient rehab so that we can get her mind started to improve and you know, rehab my mind. Because when you said rehab, I was thinking it was all physical. No, my, I, it was both. So I've been on a year and a half journey of both rehabbing my mind and my body. Both have been hard. Can you explain? I think a lot of people understand because they've seen movies around rehabbing of the body, but maybe give some examples of rehabbing of the mind. Yeah, happy to. So when I went to my rehab hospital and I'm on day one and I'm not awake very often, uh, in hindsight, I'm like, could you have waited a few more days to send me to the rehab <laughs> hospital so I could do four hours of rehab a day? I'm not even awake four hours at this point a day, but needless to say, they wanted to push me and that's fine. So I yeah. uh, get to the rehab hospital and one of the first tests that they give me, and I'll give this to you. Okay. So you're okay. You ready? Okay. okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Here's the test. Okay. And just say the first thing that comes to your mind. What's okay. the similarity between a banana, strawberry, and apple? Fruit. You got the answer correct. For me, I sat and thought about it because my mind's not working as quickly as yours was, how quickly you answered that question. So I had to think about it maybe for 30 seconds and did a lot of, hmm, hmm, huh, hmm. That's a hard question. And the therapist nicely is like, yes, these are hard questions. <sighs> and in the, after 30 seconds, 45 seconds, I'm like, are they, are they food? Yeah, they're food. My goodness. So that's kind of a starting point of where your mind just doesn't understand. And I had no idea. There's a little bit of a blessing in having a anoxia or a brain injury in that yeah. you don't understand what's going on. You don't understand how bad you are. I was thinking about your poor husband. That would have scared the shit out of me. Yes, because he understood. Right. And he's, and so were the doctors saying that she'll get full capacity back or did they not know? They didn't know because with brain injuries, there's not a, a, a absolute of you're going to get back to normal. And I wouldn't even say so today, a year and a half later, and I have worked so hard. Yeah. I, I am committed to getting as much of my life back as I can. 
And even today, I have short-term working memory issues where you might ask me a question and then I'll be like, wait, what, what did you say? What were you asking me? And so I still have issues. So how do you manage that? Do you have to really focus on like sleep and taking care of like? A lot of notes. I have like sticky notes all over my desk, if you could see, really? to remind me of things. Uh, or putting notes in my calendar, like I have to do this project. I'll forget to do the project. Where before I wouldn't forget. It's a big project. Not going to forget the big project. Right. But I have to put it on my calendar to remind me. Or I set my alarm. Where before I wouldn't have to set my alarm. I'd be like, oh, okay, I know I need to go be at XYZ place at this time. Now I have to set my alarm to remind myself to do that. Um, and then a lot of times I'm just, I'll just tell people, what were we talking about? Even I could be the one talking. It's not even about me listening. I could be talking and forget what I'm saying. Yeah. I'll be like, what were we saying? Um, and, and before it, it yeah, it's it, as I got more of my mind back, it was really upsetting. Cause yeah. then I, as I started to realize more and more how I, my mind was not working and I cried a lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, as I became more aware of what was wrong with my mind and my body. I have so many questions that I want to ask you. Okay, first off, let's talk about okay, I want to know your great what your greatest gifts are from this struggle, which we'll get to. But how has this impacted your spirituality or your faith or your yeah, let's ask that first. Cuz you talked earlier about your sweet husband saying all those prayers. Yes, and my a community of friends who said prayers Actually, the night I went into the hospital, so the Saturday that I went into the hospital, I went in in the afternoon. By 7 o'clock that evening, 200, 300 of my friends met at my church and just prayed for me. I don't even know how they got a hold of that many people. I mean, (laughs) that's one of my own kind of learnings is, you know, I I feel like I'm imperfect. I've got issues. um, But in the end, like... I'm loved and you're loved and we're all loved way more than we think. Yeah. And never in a million years would I or anybody think that two, three hundred, a few hundred of your friends would show up at a moment's notice on a Saturday night to, to pray for you. Yeah. Um, so I feel we like only little, know when those things happen when they're funerals. Right. See, I've kind of had something in between a wedding and a funeral. Yeah. <laughs> You have. Yeah. Yeah. So just to see their faith and their belief and their commitment, I saw some videos from that to just build your faith. Because our doctors, you know, one of them said to me, you know, Tanya, we're good. We're good. But we're not that good. Mm-hmm. And so they even know that it was medical science and prayer combined that resulted in me here today. Okay. This probably didn't happen, but I'm going to ask any, anyway. Did you have any like near death experience or anything? I know. I have that question a lot. I didn't I go to heaven or see angels. Dang it. <laughs> I, wanted, I really wanted you to. I know. I just, I just went to sleep. Yeah. Like, and dying right. is not so bad. I, it is not bad. I had a fear of dying. Yeah. And just the process of dying. Like if I hold my breath right now and like, right. like it seems like it's painful or bad. It is not bad. And it is, it just felt like going to sleep. And so if you are with anybody who's near death, 
you don't have to worry about what you see on the outside because on the outside, my death was very horrific for my family to see. Yeah. But for me, it was not. And so I think family members and others can, and people who love you can have peace knowing that death is, is not painful or it's just not painful. And it's, it's harder for us to see than it is for the, the person, right? Exactly. Tanya, how are, how are your guys? Your, your boys. <laughs> They're great. Uh, what do you do around that too? Like, did you guys have to put them into some therapy or anything? Or what do you do? Yeah. They've been to Children's Hospital and saw uh, therapists that have a specialty in medical trauma. They have grown in their resilience and grit over mm. this time frame. Uh, they've had to take care of their mom instead of their mom taking care of them. They've, uh, you know, had to see me in a moment's notice be gone and their dad my husband stayed with me for a month in the hospital a month he stayed with me every single night every single day so we had other people coming in our in and out of our house taking care of mm -hmm. our children and getting them to school and activities etc um and so you just you learn a lot of agility a lot of resilience and a lot of grit through all of that um it's been tough on them and I think the more time passes, the more they're able to ask questions and share the story and talk about it. I think it was harder at first even to talk about. Um, and also we were all going through it together because even when I came home, I had a walker, I had a wheelchair. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm taking 15 pills a day every day, even now, um, you know, and I would, they would tell me things and I wouldn't get it. And yeah, so yeah. So it's, I think these are great life lessons that they've learned. And I think they would feel the same way, even though it was an extremely tough situation. Okay. I love that your husband stayed with you. Yes. Well, he remembered I, when we first got married, yeah. this is a good lesson. Make sure you share your wishes with everybody well in advance now with all your loved ones who are, it doesn't, they can be friends. It doesn't have to be family. Whoever's in your life that you're close to, let them know your wishes. I told my husband, listen, this is before we even had kids. I said, if anything happens to me, I don't care if we have 10 kids. Yeah. I don't care if we have no kids. I'm your priority. Yes. You're staying with me. And so when, even when we had our um, kids, uh, when I had my second and third child, he stayed at the hospital when I birthed them and spent yeah. the night when I birthed them, leaving our current children at home with family. So he remembered that and he knew that. And he did not leave my side. So I totally love that. My parents, same way. Mm, they had it. this commitment that they were the priority, always, each other. And children were secondary. And I don't mean that in a terrible way. I just mean you have to make choices sometimes. And, and frankly, it was great for me to see that modeled as a really loving and committed marriage. Exactly. And then we could never like... We really couldn't break them up, meaning like if we wouldn't go to mom, if we couldn't exactly. get it from dad kind of thing, they were always a typically united front. They're a team. They're a team. I love that your husband did that. Mm -hmm. What a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I mean, today your life is, it seems, and maybe correct me, but it's similar to the way it was before, meaning like. You still, you have the same job. You, you know what I mean? Like, were those full choices? Like, did you know you wanted to go back the way things were? Or were there any things that you wanted to change? 
One thing that we did every year, our anniversary is in January. So every year in January, we would ask ourselves before this happened, what, what is about our lives that we like? What is it about our lives that's not working that we want to change? And so we were already having those discussions on an annual basis. So when it came to this scenario, we didn't have to have a mm. deep of a thought about that because we were already having that dialogue. In addition, my mind was in no place to make any kind of life-altering decision at that time. Not to say that I might not do that in the future. I'm only a year and a half out, which is not that far out from right. this kind of traumatic event. Yeah. And so I knew that the decision I made when my, I was in my right mind before this happened, this happened in February, and we already had the discussion in January, that I knew that um, you know, the community that we were in, the city that we lived in, the job that I, that I had at least, you know, all those choices were right for us at that time. And so I had to lean into that because my mind wasn't there to make any other decision. Yeah, that's smart. Okay, listeners, you cannot see a picture of Tanya, but okay, do you have purple hair? <laughs> yes, I did. I was oh like, my God, I love that. We're going to have, we'll get a picture of you to show. Did you always have purple hair? I'm all about fun hair. Why not? Especially now. I mean, I'm not worried about anybody's perception of me. If I was worried before, I'm definitely less worried now. Any final life lessons? Anything that you're like, you know what, Sarah, I really want your listeners to hear this. I'd say I probably have a few things that now with a little bit of hindsight yeah, that stick out to me. I mean, because everybody has a story, right? Everybody that's listening, you, me, everyone, we all have highs and lows in our lives. And right now, a lot of people are going through a, what might be considered a low in their life. And I think it's not what happens to you that defines you, but how you react. Yeah. And I made a conscious choice to, to work hard to get better and put the effort in and and you have no idea it is I have so much more empathy for people who go through ICU traumatic uh, life experiences now and come out of it um, but so much work uh, and but I, and I'm choosing to have a positive attitude my life expectancy is not great it's just really? the reality I don't have great life expectancy given what has happened to me and um, but I'm choosing to have a positive um, outlook. I'm choosing to enjoy the rest of the time that I have here. I'm, and so it's more about how we react. So I think that's something that I feel like I've learned. We're all gonna have bad things happen to us. We're all going through one right now and it's our choice on what to do. Are we gonna complain? Are we gonna you know, say, what was me? Or are we gonna say, no, I'm gonna take this opportunity and just try to get out of it what I can. Um, I would say also for me, you know, I had to learn to walk again. I had to learn to drive. They took away my license. And so it's like, just be grateful. I mean, if you can walk and drive, life is pretty good for you. <laughs> it, they, you, you know, and just go, go pursue what you're passionate about. Go pursue grander things. Um, and don't worry about everything in, in your life. You know, you've got a lot to be thankful for and um, just see those blessings around you, I would say. Do you feel like you're better at seeing those than you were before? Oh, yes. I mean, I'll sit there and it'll be like 
a birthday party or a holiday and I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. <gasps> Look, my little daughter, she's like, Oh my just gosh. jumping up and down and so excited or look at my son I just today I went to pick them up at tennis and I just saw you know my son's playing I'm like look how good they are they're so oh wow and they're just having so much fun playing tennis and just enjoying those moments versus rushing like oh I gotta like hurry up and pick them up and go over here and uh, yeah I'm I'm yeah. I'm I'm much more I'm normally a type a person very uptight and let's let's get things done and um, not type B and I have learned to just that there's maybe value in me trying out type B. Yes. <laughs> and if you're type A, I might suggest you try type B. Now, if you're type A, you're gonna be like, why Tanya would I know I am type, type B? A and I have one friend who is more type B and I'll say, okay, I'm going to be spontaneous this weekend. And I'll say, it's a, a certain girlfriend and I'll say, all right, you pick the restaurant. And she's like, how did that feel? I'm like, oh my God, that was so great. Like, I didn't know it was going to be so good. Hey, not being type A. Right. And, not and controlling you, it. Right. And, and I think before I was controlling it and doing it in a, you know, like I got it all under control. Did nobody worry about it. And by trying out type B, you let others come around you and mm. choose the restaurant for you or do things for you. And they might actually do something better. Maybe that restaurant was better than you would have ever chosen. Totally. Right. So totally. let people come around you and let them be type A and you just hang out and enjoy the experience and the ride. Yeah. How has that impacted your marriage now? What's the same? What's different? I think we're probably still trying to figure out how to navigate through my not remembering things he tells me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and where I am in my journey, you know, cause I'll make progress or he'll think I may be further ahead or further behind. And he's trying to help me. I'm like, don't help me. And then he thinks I'm further ahead. And then I'm like, wait, I don't know what you remember what you were saying. And so bless his heart. He has a lot of patience for trying to figure out where I am in the journey and how he can best help, help. me. Cause it's, 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 I'm still on the journey. Yeah. And he is with us. He is with me for sure. Well, uh, your story is amazing. And listeners, uh, the next episode we're going to have is Dr. Bennett. Did you know this, Tanya? Oh, I Did love you her. know this? No. I know. She loves you too. <laughs> and so we're going to interview her and hear her story. UC Health um, connected me with her because of you. And um, so your story is going to continue. We're having like a twofer. I love it. And Dr. Bennett is fantastic. She, she is somebody who I so admire because she did not let her current job define her. She was a nurse and she's like, no, I want to be a doctor and I'm going to go make it happen. And she did. And she's fantastic at what she does. And she brought ECMO to UC Health, which is the medical device that helped save my life. So I did and, not know she brought that. Yep. And she did that while she was raising her family, young oh kids. Yeah. She's awesome. Bomb.com, just like yeah. you. Yeah. Also, um, the nonprofit that you're doing some work for, should we put a little promo out for them? Sure. Go Red. Go Red, yes. I'm all about, so, well, heart disease, I didn't know this, is the number one killer of men and women. And I, I was so surprised at that. I, I only realized that after I had my own heart attack and realized I have heart disease. And I asked 
around. I was like, well, I don't hear about that. You know, I hear about like cancer, leukemia, ALS. I, I mean, I might hear about a lot of other diseases, but I don't hear as much about heart disease. And it's the number one killer of men and women. If you haven't been impacted, you will be, or someone around you will be in some matter of time because it's the number one killer. And the reason, you want to know what the reason they gave me? It said, Tanya, there's no survivors. So when you told me that on the phone a couple of weeks ago, it stuck with me because I had never heard that. I had never heard that. So hence, I am an ambassador for the American Heart Association and the co-chair of the Go Red campaign, support yeah. women's heart health. So yeah, it's important to be aware of risks, to take care of yourself. And then also, of course, we're going to promote donating to them, please. Yes, feel yeah. free. I know. We got, we're going to give you some heavy hitters. All hopefully. right. Sounds good. Yeah. I can give you the text number too, if you want it. But oh, anyway, yeah. What yeah. is that? What is that text number? Okay. You, if you would like to donate to the American Heart Association, you can text Cincy Go Red, C-I-N-C-Y-G-O-R-E-D, Cincy Go Red to 41444. Again, text Cincy Go Red to 41444 to donate. Perfect. Tanya, thank you so much for being on the show. You are welcome. It was amazing. I love hearing your story, and I know all of our listeners will too. Well, I enjoyed talking with you. Thank you again to Tanya. If you're interested in listening to the 911 call, stick around after the credits to hear it. I also wanted to let you know that we launched our Move Forward coaching program, and I'm thrilled. We've had an incredible response. We're going to open up another 10-week group coaching program in January. So maybe you want to find purpose, discover a new career, build confidence, overcome your fears with greater speed, then this program is for you. For more information, or if you want to ask me any questions, you can go to our website at failforwardpod.com. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod. Uh, my wife, my wife is, her arm is all stiff. She's, she's, she's stiffening up. It's almost like she's having a stroke or a heart attack. Okay, what's the address? You said she's stiff. Her arms are stiffening up. Oh my gosh! Ever she can't move. She's on the couch. She's all stiffened up. Okay. We, well, I left her to take my kids somewhere, and she was throwing up. But I didn't think it was this bad, and I came back, and she, her lips are just turned blue. All right. Is she breathing? Barely. You can hear it. Okay. Like moaning. All right. We'll send the paramedics out. Okay. Well, stop breathing. We just called, and um, she stopped breathing. Okay. So, what's the street name? Hardesty Avenue. Hardesty? He's falling at the mouth. Okay, okay. Well, I'm, I'm pulling up the medical run, okay? We've got paramedics okay. already on their way. Stay on the phone with me. She's not breathing. What do we do? Okay, listen. I need everyone to just take a deep breath and calm down. Can you back? Okay, we need to get them on the ground. Okay. Flat on their back. Couch, is that okay? We need them. No, we need, we need to get this person on the ground and flat on their back, okay? 
I want you to know paramedics are on their way, okay? How old is okay. this person? They're 45? 45. Okay. 45. Okay. All right. And you said they're foaming at the mouth? Yes. Is there anything inside their mouth? And not, not breathing. Okay. I'm checking. I don't see no. Okay. All right. Make sure their air, their airway is clear by turning their head to the side and just opening their mouth and making sure it's clear, okay? Okay. Seems like it. Okay. I want you to, um, with, their, with them being flat on their back, I want you to place your hand on their forehead and the other hand under the neck and tilt the head back. Okay. Put your ear next to the mouth and tell me if you can hear or feel any breathing at all. No. Okay. No, I can't. Okay. Do you know how to do chest compressions? Yeah, kind of. Okay. I want you to take the heel. You want to take your yep. hand and put take, yep. take the heel of your hand, put it in the center of the chest, in the middle of yep. the nipples, yep. okay? Um, yep. Take the other hand and put it on top of that. Yep. You want to pump the chest hard and fast, okay, twice now? per second, two inches deep, and let the chest come up all the way between pumps. Okay, I did okay, that. Okay, I'll count out loud with you. You want to do it hard and fast 30 times. Okay. Okay, keep, just count out loud. One. Five. Keep six, going. Seven. Eight. Nine. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, do you know how to administer mouth-to-mouth? Uh, I've just been breathing in okay. her mouth. What do I do With now? your hand under his, his or her neck, you want to pinch their nose closed and tilt the head back again. Okay. Give two regular breaths. Then pump the chest 30 more times. Okay. We're going to keep doing this rotation, okay? Her eyes are closing Okay, now. listen, just continue to do what you're doing, okay? You're doing a good job, okay? I want you to give two more breaths like you did. Make sure the head is tilted back. You pinch the nose closed. All right, I did the two Tilt. breaths. Now I'm going back to chest compression. Yes, yes, chest compression. Three, four, five, six. How close are these guys? The so, is not that far. Okay. Tell them to hurry. They're, they're on their way. Keep going until 12, they're in that door. Do you 15, hear me? 14, yes. 15. Is your door unlocked? 16, yes. 18, 19. You're going to have to 20, go a little faster. 21, 22, 22 23, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. Two more breaths. Here, down here. Keep going, sir, until they're with you. Cool. We got some lights on, boys. Turn the lights on, Gavin. All right. What happened? What can we do, guys? <laughs>